You're listening to the Wanderlust Swingers Podcast with Aussie hosts Kate and Daryl. If you're curious about exploring your sexuality or the swinging, hot wifing and non-monogamous lifestyle, you've definitely come to the right podcast. Or maybe you just love travel adventures. Either way, we share our personal, sometimes juicy, sexy stories as well as swingers club and event reviews, interviews with other sassy people and of course our global swinging adventures. We try to bring you a look into the diverse lifestyle that the swinging and non-monogamous community has. We hope you enjoy. Now Let's get into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to a bonus episode of the Wanderlust Swingers podcast. Today is all about compersion. It's about plays. It's about some Aussies down under. We do like our swinging Aussies down under. And we have two very special guests on the show today, Mick and Nick. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having Hello. us today. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Absolutely. We're going to get stuck in. Mick and Nick are actually from uh, Steamy Romantics. You might be wondering what the hell is Steamy Romantics. You might be catching on. They are Aussies, so they've got quite a thick accent. Let's see how we go getting through this let me know if you guys can't understand a bloody word they say we'll slow down (laughs) you'll slow down (laughs) so we're going to talk about compersion we're going to talk about what steamy romantics is and we're going to talk about a really sex positive thing that's happening down in australia so welcome to this bonus episode i hope you guys get a lot out of this if you're down in australia if you're my aussies please do reach out to mick and nick because they've got some fantastic things that we're going to talk about on the show but let's get cracking you reached out to me and I just want to give you a bit of a bio. We'll give a bit of an introduction who Mick and Nick actually are. So Compersion follows a real life husband and wife as they enter the ethical non-monogamous lifestyle after 20 years of marriage. Congratulations, guys. As they explore the complexities of ethical non-monogamy, they discover the importance of open communication, mutual respect and consent in maintaining healthy and fulfilling relationships. Compersion. We're going to talk a lot about Mm. this today, but maybe to get started, tell us a little bit about yourselves. You're obviously in Australia. What's going on? Who are you? What's your age? Where are you based? Are you non-monogamous? Give us all the hot tea. Okay, the whole CV in 30 seconds, the elevator pitch CV kind of thing. Yeah, well, we are childhood sweethearts, I guess. We met when we were 13, 14 years old. We've been together for, I don't know, 37 years. We've been married for 20 we're both in the performing arts um, and we both have been actors and directors and writers. I'm also a cultural anthropologist as well. Nikki also teaches in uh, teaches and does disability care as well. Yeah. And I, I guess Michael in his anthropology studies came up with this great idea for a master's degree. And it was all about getting online and creating characters. How do you create theatre online? How do you break? The, we've broken the fourth wall but how do you break online? How do you make meaning? So he coerced me into being a part of that. And then I discovered my talents online, <laughs> should we say. And, <laughs> and refound your identity. Is it? Refound my sexual identity. And in doing that, it, it awoke a whole series of discussions and brought us on this entire journey. Yeah. So we're and, based in, we're based in Adelaide, South Australia. We're up on the Adelaide Hills. So we're, I was thinking before, actually, at this time of night in Adelaide, we've got got the possums out the geckos out i think i heard a koala out earlier so yeah, you yeah. might actually get some wildlife noises a couple of hoop snakes and drop bears of course yeah, yeah. oh absolutely the drop, the drop bears yeah, yeah. got traps everywhere for them don't worry yeah. <laughs> yeah what sort of sexuality how do you guys identify are you non-monogamous are you bisexual we identify as bisexual blissfully married non-monogamous definitely probably not polyamorous we're not there yet, but definitely we'd not. We understand that entering into 
any kind of ethical non-monogamy means that you're going to make connection and you're going to form relationships and meaning and mm. that may contain itself within boundaries and sometimes it may not. And so we recognise that that is a continual discussion that goes on and on. But for the moment, we're really not, we're not in the market for that. We're just very much in the market for social recreational joyful, fun. Yeah. <laughs> social recreational fun. I love it. Now, the, the play is called Compersion, and we're going to bust in in a moment. We're going to get to everything about this play, what you guys are doing. But before we get into that, we, we have a lot of phrases in the non-monogamous community, in the lifestyle, if you will. And oftentimes these phrases are like, what, when you first start doing this? Now, compersion in particular right. is something that I don't think a lot of people in their general day-to-day life maybe have heard of. I didn't before I became non-monogamous so before we even get into that what does compersion mean to you like for the listeners who may not have heard it before i think in its in its most simplest broad form it's the opposite of jealousy if jealousy is anxiety or business towards the happiness of someone else then compersion is the opposite is it is the the joy and the happiness you feel when someone else is happy even if what they're doing has got nothing to do with you or doesn't impact you at all like you we discovered the word when we started exploring the lifestyle and where do you go and who do you talk to and all that and we and we discovered that and and we discovered it's not just going oh cool that's a great idea and doing it that's so true nick really really good point yeah i think some people do think it's just oh okay so you're just going along with anything so well phrased nick yeah, but also that it, it just more broadly, it's just a great idea more broadly. Like just take it out of, yeah, it, it's born of this lifestyle and, and I guess that probably feeds into later questions about where the play came from. But just as an idea and a concept broadly, it's, it's not a bad one. Like I think it can be employed Across generally. the board, yeah. In, in your, when, yeah. when you start practising it, you start noticing that it has a profound effect on your entire life and how you deal with other people. Mm. And that has an effect on other people as well. And it's not about sacrifice and it's not about all those perceived ideas of what Mm. loving someone or being generous with someone is. We have a line in the play pretty early and the play is sort of loosely structured around trying to figure out what this word is. Yeah. And we start really (laughs) early by saying, have you ever had a brand new feeling for the very first time? And how do you know if you've got a feeling if you don't have a word to express it? How, How does that work? You guys have made some really interesting points there. I mean, first, you took the compersion side of it away from just being about non-monogamy and being broader. And I, I agree. I mean, if you think about, and I'm, I'm going to take this back to, to being a teenager, being a female teenager, you start to very quickly work out where things are in the hierarchy. And as a result of that, negative feelings happen. And then that's when I think a lot of us as females lash out, become jealous, we become envious, you know, whereas I think now, you know, 2023, I think more and more people are actually trying to celebrate their friends' wins, their strangers wins you know in the office environment as well like hey i'm going to celebrate your wins rather than being jealous about this so absolutely agree and and the feelings and not having a word for it kind of really good concept blew my mind there but let's get deeper into actually what compersion is what the play is what you guys are actually doing down in australia to bring sex positivity to the forefront you know i think that's just really important down in australia in particular to continue to evolve as as a country let's get cracking into that so let's talk about compersions Mm. the play itself the play dares to challenge societal norms and assumptions about relationships and love encourages audiences to think critically about their beliefs and assumptions while promoting emotional personal safety and honesty Mm -hmm. really interesting kind of byline about 
about the play there. So the play is called Compersion. Where did the inspiration from the play actually come from? How how did this get born, I guess? How did it get birthed into the world? Mm-hmm. I guess we're both actors. We've been in our industry for a long time. We have a lot of experience and tools. And we watch, we see, we observe. And all the way along we kept, even when we, we were ugly and we weren't kind to ourselves or each other at the end of it, once we'd recovered, go, oh, fuck this and make a great play though. Like, And we also recognised that we were always reaching out and trying to find groups and people, but it was hard and there were clicks and I didn't expect there to be clicks. We didn't know and, and we felt outside, but we had this want and this desire to cross that bloody void. And so we just kept talking and we kept grabbing whatever we could from whoever we could. And those people were, you know, fantastic. And they helped us sort of hop, skip, jump forward in little bits. And those discussions actually did turn into a great play. And those experiences actually did turn into a great play. And we wanted to be able to um, share earnestly, not a Fifty Shades of Grey version Mm. of what this lifestyle is like, because no, this is not actually for the faint-hearted. You have to look at yourself. You have to do some work. You have to look at your partner. You have to be open. You have to learn all these new pathways in your mind, in your body, and it's not actually as easy as it sounds. And some of the experiences are not profound. They're actually traumatic and Mm. distressing. And at the same time, so is life. That is how we learn and grow and experience. So we recognise that what we were experiencing, what we had come across and and fought for as our entrance into the lifestyle might actually help other people. We also found that it was the nature of the community was very embracing. They were warm. And this is sort of speaks to my story. My storyline in the play is that there, there was no sexual shame in shaming mm. your identity. You were allowed to sort of express yourself, and and that was revolutionary for me to mm. experience that. And I think there was so this part of part of doing this is yeah, telling the story that we wish we heard when we were at that point in the journey. It's celebrating the people who are in the community who are some of the most, you know, profound best friends I've ever made. It was about, it was about um, well, it was a 20th wedding anniversary. I wanted to get on stage and say I love you as well. You know, it was just a bit of sort of <laughs> my own ego there too, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, didn't want to do a renewal of vows. That would have been completely pointless. So yeah, do what we do best. <laughs> it sounds really interesting, definitely. But if I was going to go along to it or people out there listening who are curious about this play that we keep talking about, what can a person expect? So, um, um, you know, is it a, is it a, a grandiose theatre we're walking into? What can we expect? What are we going to see on stage? What's the interaction going to be like? Just run us through the whole thing. This is what we call parlour play. And so it's a very intimate production. There's not big bells and whistles. You're not going to see huge musical numbers or special stage effects or anything like that. So it's more it's more designed to be performed in lounge rooms, living rooms. It. It's, it's oh. essentially the story is therefore focused on us and our characters. So we basically invite the audience in. We welcome the audience to the venue at the night, take a seat. We try to make it a cross-performance conversation. Mm. These are anecdotes. We're reliving the anecdotes. They're dramatized versions of what really happened to us. Some of them have a moral to them. Some of them don't. They're just 
things that happen. I wouldn't even say immoral. I'd say things lesson. to consider. Con- yeah. Consider these things. Consider your personal consider safety. Consider it more broadly than in the first straight up thought of it. When you think of consent, it's really easy to go, oh, yeah, I get that. I totally get that. I get consent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but when, when you see it dramatised in front of you and you see an example of how it worked or it didn't work, then you get a bit more personal. Yeah. Sense. There's a um, bit of audience interaction. So so meeting everyone at the beginning when they all walk in the door mm. is brilliant because it gives me in particular a chance to case out my audience and decide who might be my best participants and play friends for the night. So we invite people um, up out of the audience to to play characters that we're using and they're very sort of passive in that role, but they kind of get that audience interaction plant experience. And then You don't usually go to a show and get to feel the lead role's pussy. <laughs> you don't usually get a really good lap dance from them and lots of kisses. Yes, the show has those graphic elements. You don't usually go to a show and watch someone finger fuck themselves in a in a rep- replication of what they would do online for someone they fell in love with but in that sense but, these, these acts tell the story that they're, they're, they're there they're a purpose to tell the story they're not there just for the gratuity, mm. which makes it different from burlesque or cabaret or these serve the purpose of telling that narrative and the meaning that happens to the characters as i'm listening to you i actually wrote down the word edutainment that's actually a phrase that i coined for our events over in the usa because we have seminars we have interactive sessions and we don't call them education we don't call it entertainment it's kind of a mix between edutainment like from listening to what you're saying yes there's some things being performed on stage of a sexual nature but what i'm also hearing is you're talking about consent you're talking about sexual identity and that sort of stuff so for me i mean is that what i can expect as an audience member a bit of a bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah, I mean, that speaks to our history and our previous careers. We we ran a dance and education company for 10 years where we did exactly that. We recreated children's literature into performances and we sort of edutained them that way. As an anthropologist, I work in ethnodrama, which is literally archive, you know, taking the stories of people, their real life stories, and then dramatizing that for an audience so that they can understand the, the you know, the social diaspora or the mm. minority group or whoever is being represented. So that speaks to the kind of history in our in our previous careers or our current careers mm. or whatever, our other careers. But one of the unexpected, sorry, I'm going to jump in on that because in this sense that's an important aspect that there were people from every age, gender, mm. sexuality. It was really a broad spectrum. People who've been playing for 20 years, 50 years, people who've been playing never, people who were terrified. And one of the beautiful things about the show that was said back to us was that it gave them this sense that of what it might be like to be in a real-life play situation And there was the potential, but they were still safe. And they could watch, but they're not watching someone that they desperately loved. It was safe. It was safe. It was safe. Even if there was a little bit of touching and a little bit of fondling or kissing, it was still felt really safe. And in that sense, we're really aware of that. I'd never expected that one of the outcomes would be that it would be a nice, like an even softer introduction than a meet and greet, if that makes any sense. As you're doing the play, I'm curious about the characters that are involved. (laughs) You've got the play happening. There's 
there's sexual acts being performed. Maybe, you know, I don't know, you're grasping with your own sexual identity. I'm not sure. Do you have a running monologue? Like when you're actually performing the play, is is, is part of this like a, an internal monologue that's actually coming about about your own thoughts about things that are happening? Does that happen? Like run me through that. It's interesting that this is probably, for me, is probably the most personal and cathartic theatrical mm. project I've ever worked on. Most theatre, as theatre makers, most of the time you're working with a script someone else has written, you go through a production company, there's multiple layers of decision making. By the time you get to directing or performing, you're just fulfilling a role and a function. But this was really hand-to-mouth theatre. This was real. We sat down and we we just wrote down the stories of what had happened to us over the past 18 months and two years, the ones that really How meant. How did we get into this? And how we felt. <laughs> and then we went through a process where we, we did that for ourselves and then we had to do the process as script writers and go, okay, we have to be disciplined now and go, what works dramatically? And then we did it again as directors and actors about what works on stage. And there is a sense of the more I do it and the more I relive some of those stories that represent a past that's gone, the more it feels like I'm putting it behind me as well. Mm, it, like I'm, I'm exorcising it. You know, I'm getting it out of the system. Mm. It's funny telling a dramatised story that's really true and living it and performing it simultaneously. Mm. It's a weird split yeah, personality, but ultimately it's very cathartic, I think, for me. Yeah. Anyway. One of my stories, I always like to put my guest on the hot seat and I'm actually going to put you guys on the hot seat a few times throughout our interview today. But I want to break into this one because we've spoken about this in a monologue, edutainment and things like that. So, I mean, I live in the Netherlands. We have the red light district here. I mean, it's world famous. You've probably heard of it. What makes your play, considering it does have live sex act, what makes your play different from, say, a porn show that I could go down the road and see right now in Amsterdam. Narrative and character. This isn't about the acts. The uh-huh. acts, like I said before, the acts aren't there gratuitously for for visual stimulation. It's got all that in there, but the acts serve the purpose of telling the story. Any sex act is a vulnerable state of being, regardless of your status as a porn star. Absolutely. You put yourself in that state of vulnerability. I think in terms of this show though I've seen porn acts that have just left me breathless and like lost and that is a state of mind but I haven't seen porn acts that have made me drive home and think about it all the way home in the car and talk about it and talk about it and think about it and think about it occasionally in those you know nice kind of ways in that deep reflective way and at the same time I think those sex acts that are being performed in the show are a way of normalizing ourselves you know I'm not a porn star I am 48 years old I am perimenopausal I am managing myself I am just trying to live the very best life I can before I can't and I would like for Mick to be doing that too before he can't because I do care that much and so does he and so I think when it comes to the idea of being some sort of relating it to a porn act that there's not really a a comparison except for the nudity and the act itself Mm. Because sex is also different. One, sex, there's different sex and different types of yeah. dynamics, whether you're feeling vulnerable or powerful. Sometimes or when, scared I, or, when I pick the male from the audience for the lap dance to be the photographer, I pick because he pleases me. End of story. All right. And that's okay. I'm allowed to that night. And he is fun and he's the right choice. And some nights there's the guy in the corner that doesn't even want to be picked, but he's the one that needs the gift. He gets the gift. And so that's compersion. That is the show. Right. It is not 
about pornography. Mm. It is about the gift. Mm. So realistically, I mean, if I think about walking into, say, one of those red light shows, I pay my money, I see a show, it's kind of like going to the cinemas to see a, a, a movie, right? And I walk away and I went, ah, that's cool. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, and now like, oh, shit, it's, like, it's lunchtime. What you're trying to say is that you want me as the audience member to walk away legitimately learning something, being inspired by something, having some some form of emotional response. Goal or the objective okay. of anyone who calls themselves an artist is to reach an audience with a sense of meaning and have a you know create a, a meaningful experience in that moment. And, and I think that's the difference. Swinging had a sorry. No. Swing. I'm jumping on that and go yes because let's face it, the whole lifestyle has a bad rap. It that swinging. It the minute you mention it, we we've lost and burnt so many people. Careful who you tell. Like you know. <laughs> Yeah, venues who um, won't book us. Things venues like that. wouldn't take us. Mm. We we had no choice but to but, think outside the square because it was too taboo. But everyone that we spoke to loved us and was so proud of us. Was so oh my god, can I, I follow you? I just think you're wonderful. You're so brave, but we don't want to book you. You know, it's and just on a side a note from that in general. <laughs> just on a side note from that, this is one of the other motivations for the show. In a reality too, like I've been working as a creative director for international commercial art events for the last 10 or so years. I've been developing museum projects and festivals and all sorts of stuff. But the reality of that is, even though it's awesome, it's a toxic work environment. It's unregulated. It's full of power, greed, ego. And I got in a situation where I got burnt. And so we literally went, well, instead of working for someone else, let's work for ourselves. Let's take all the skills that we've got and do it for ourselves. Mm. And in that sense, everyone we've dealt with in this lifestyle on, on a purely business relationship, and that includes you and and uh, the members of the club and the photographer that helped us, everyone has acted with a level of integrity that I actually haven't had mm. in my professional career for a long time. Or in our, and personal, that, or in our lives. personal lives either. There's this level of openness and transparency and communication and and no shame and all of these things that I found no absent. Yeah. And I think for me that's sort of partly why we kind of we look, we kind of stumbled along across this thing out of need and desire and desperation and, and lots of other reasons but then we kind of discovered it's got meaning for people it and it means something to us to share that back with them and i think and it's not easy that it's gets, a journey that and gets back to that real essence of why you want to be an artist really you just want to communicate and, and share those things with people. So, yeah. Love it. So when you talk about the future of compersion, what is the future? Like, what are you actually hoping to achieve? Are you, I know that you've got three shows coming up in Adelaide in April. We'll talk about that later. Are you going to look at doing virtual sessions, you know, trying to reach more audience members? What, what does this look like for Compersion the play? Or is there a Compersion 2? Is there Volume 2 coming soon? What's happening? Like I said, this is a parlour play. It's deliberately designed and created to be tourable. So it literally fits into a suitcase um, with a couple of costumes and us and a lounge room. We can do it anywhere. It's not this big kind of stadium or massive theatre environment. It's very intimate. It's light. It's travelable. And again, that reflects the, the mm. international touring and fringe work I've done in the past. One of the most rewarding parts of it also has been pre-show and post-show. Pre-show, we, we make sure we have venues that can facilitate everyone having their pre-show drinks and hanging out, getting to know each other. Yeah. Get to know each other. Hang out. It's not many of you. It's crazy. We're weird. We're all here. Whoa, you know. <laughs> and we can get to know them, set up our pre-show stuff as well. 
at the end, though, there is so much sharing. Mm. We make sure that we stay and we make ourselves available. And wow, you know, we don't have all the answers, but isn't it beautiful to be I able think, to talk? Um, in, and in that sense, <laughs> that's where theatre has it's it's the original virtual reality, and it's with other people. Mm. So it only it really works best when it's with other people. Speaking of the next volume, because of the nature of who we are as people and artists, we create from our collected experiences. So the more we go out and mm-hmm. meet people, the more we go out and hear, we've had audience members saying we could do a version like Vagina Monologues or something like that. The point is that there's so go many, so many people have got stories that are worth stories. telling and here's an opportunity to try and find a, a vehicle mm. or an avenue for those stories to be represented and told. And not everyone wants to be on stage. We get that, but we do. We're okay with it. So <laughs> we, we'll do your story for you. I think also we, we recognise the limitation. <laughs> I love Adelaide. I do. You're Australian, so Go you're going to get all the Adelaide jokes. Yeah. And, you know, they're funny because they're true. And I do love Adelaide. It's I do. Tiny. But, you know, the world is out there and, and it's not represented. In Adelaide's not entirety. probably our best audience. <laughs> not that I don't love Adelaide for all it gives to us. You know, I'm happy, thankful. But at the same time, we, we recognise that, we need to take it out, give it a spin. It's a good ride. It's worthwhile. The feedback's been enormous. I'm so happy to help. We're so happy to help. You guys are giving me like full-on Priscilla Queen of the Desert vibes right now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you get it, right? You can you can yeah, see what I'm going yeah. with. Oh. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heading up hey, to you Darwin. Know you know what? You know what? You wouldn't be wrong. It's okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Try not to burn your butt. Is this legal in Australia? So we know about LGBTQIA rights. We know about the prostitution rights and things of that nature in Australia. So I'm curious where you guys sit in this kind of grey area. Is this legal in Australia? And how do you think the Australian public would react if it did go viral? Say you put a TikTok up or a Twitter up or an Instagram up and you're like, hey, come and watch our play about compersion. It's 18 plus. You're going to see some erotic scenes. Like what are your two thoughts on that? Okay. First of all, I'm going to come straight out with you and say we have kids our policy with them is that it's private but it is not secret we are doing something and quite earnestly you're such incredible young people that when the time comes when you find out i hope when when we talk to you about this i I hope you can see that we're doing a really fucking good thing we have nothing but good intent for each other for other people for you for everyone we just wish nothing but good things for people as far as being out, so as far as being out, the they're the only people I'd really be concerned the, about. They're the only people we'd care about in that mm-hmm. sense, and they and they support. Oh, there's us. a way to work, but I think in terms of the legalities of it, there have been shows throughout theatrical history that have done far more gratuitous mm-hmm. acts of staging than 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 we come close to. We don't sell, like I said, we don't sell this as a sort of pornographic act. It's a play that has moments in it that serve the purpose of the story. Mm -hmm. Certainly these are roles that you would be hard-pressed to find an actor that you could hire to do it. (laughs) (laughs) There there are certain qualities that we can do because we are married to each other. (laughs) I think we're fine with that. I don't have a problem with, with the legalities of it. We're all good there. As far as the outing is concerned, we are private, but we're not secret. So we're not broadcasting it and shoving it in people's face. And that is in part because I think 
if you're naturally curious about what we're talking about, you will find us. You'll and, be hunting. And that is kind of a natural Looking. filter for the people, for the audience that we collect. We don't we don't want to just put it out there for people who aren't ready for it no. and, and just shock value. It's there for people who who are genuinely curious and are questioning their own identity. And yeah. this is hopefully a place that they and can. And their own backgrounding, their own yeah. sexual selves, their own, you know, even the question, do I deserve this? God, that's a whole unpacking. Do I deserve, do I deserve this happiness? Happy. Yeah. For God's sake, of course you do. I don't know how we'd so, go. You know, just I, on that though, I don't know how we'd go with legalities in other countries. That would be something we'd probably possibly have to investigate. We, we I don't make know. the venue uh, secret to book the ticket. You won't know. We don't advertise the venue. We definitely don't advertise our names within all of that. Although we're not unhappy to disclose our names when we you meet us. We, we make sure that it's very clear that it's and, an R-rated or X-rated show, that, that there I is think, pornographic um, acts in it. We have a disclosure statement that on your ticket that says you do realise that when you enter into this room, there will be all these things that can happen. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, are you still willing There's to warnings. accept the ticket? There is warning, 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 warning. Yeah. So if you're, yeah, if, if, if you, you go get to the show them, and you go, oh, my God, this wasn't what I was expecting then, then I don't know how what the hell do. did you get here? <laughs> <laughs> let's maybe as we get ready to close out here let's let's share some funny stories because i think you guys this is a very unique thing you know i'm non-monogamous i see obviously a lot of acts in in swingers clubs at swingers conferences conventions events i run my own events you know so i, I see a lot but this is pretty unique you know to have people that come from a theater background that have made a play specifically surrounding non-monogamy that also includes you know some of those sexual acts so what i want to know is i want to know two things one thing is what's a funny story that within the play when something just hasn't gone to plan has there been a moment where you've broken your cock you know stubbed your toe and fallen face first into her pussy like do you have a, a one funny story I, I, I gotta know something goes wrong it has to the thing I wasn't prepared for, I, I do this lap dance with this one guy. I work so hard to give him every bit of rundown about what I can do, won't do, will do, what he's allowed to do, you know, and all the rest of it. And I do all these practice runs. But what I didn't do was tell him to keep his fucking knees up. And so I'm slouched. on his lap. And he, and he put his legs straight down. And, just- and man, did I have thighs of thunder for days right like worry. it's hard work it's hard work <laughs> and there's nothing to sit on i think but it's you hard. still have to grind and oh my god hard for an audience member we try to prep the audience member as much as we can like nikki says to prepare for what you need to do but you know you're not expecting to be drawn up on stage and have the lead character do a well, lap no, dance he was. Put, put your hand but i don't think he was and... expecting his cock to get hard <laughs> so he put his legs down as you do when you start to go oh damn that feels good but the problem with that is i've got no traction and i'm like oh god it Doing was, a, a it was, on was a slippery slide it was, <laughs> the last thing i thought about was that he might get aroused oh fuck you know and what he <laughs> might do if he was aroused and so yeah like it was all when, when we went into the first run it was all just because um, we, we hail mary and let's see how we go we didn't work <laughs> with a we didn't work with a director no one we didn't have an outside <laughs> eye watching what we were doing 
rehearsing at all. We just rehearsed in private. So the very first performance we did in front of an audience was the very first time anyone had ever seen it. And yeah, in a, in a day of firsts, it was like yeah, yeah, doing yeah. lap dance on a slippery slide with a hard cock. What's it like performing sexual acts in front of others outside of, say, a swingers club again? Again, I go to swingers clubs, you know, I go to the orgy rooms. I, I'm, you know, I'm being an exhibitionist. I'm also a voyeur. I like to watch. But this is very different. You know, the difference between me having sex with one, two, three, four people in a swingers club and people watching, very, very different. So what's it like performing these, this play, this sex, where there is elements of the sexual act in front of other people? Is this the ultimate exhibitionist kink for you guys? Like what's up? Uh, yeah. Well, that's a psychological yes. question like, for any actor. Really. Yeah, the first time I did it, I, I never, like, I've been in theatre a long time. I was raised in a dance company. I don't get nervous. I get pumped. I don't, you know, I was shitting myself. I could hear my voice shaking. I didn't know who this woman was or how to control her. And what the fuck was wrong with it? I'm just doing a show. But inevitably, within the first 10 minutes of the show, I'm fingering myself for them. And so, yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a leap as, a, as an actor. And it was scary and not the same, not the same at all. Uh, I've been on the St Andrews Cross and had a crowd. I've I've been in the middle of the giant bed with a heap of people around me and had a crowd. No problem. This was different. This was different because it was me telling the truth about something that happened to me and something I did that I'm not entirely actually fucking proud of. That's probably the big difference is that you're not doing it as an act because it's part of the story, Mm. because the story is our story. As part of that story and the drama, communicate the vulnerability of of who we were in that moment. Mm. There's there's other parts of the performance that are happening in your brain, and I think again, getting back to that that idea that this is probably one of the most personal projects that we've worked on. And I haven't done theatre for a long time. I've done mainly th- uh, TV and film for the last fifteen years. So getting back on stage was a big thing anyway. And then, but I felt like I needed to do this because if I didn't expose myself in that vulnerable way then I wasn't telling the story the way it needed to be told so and then we we're going to ramp it up with the show in April too so we're doing two shows at one venue with a with a maximum (laughs) audience of 50 and this is going to be new again we're doing a special one-off performance with an audience of only 10 so it will be very (laughs) very intimate it will be much more interactive with the audience it will be much more couple of mates sitting in the lounge room rather than a bit more formal space mm. and so that will raise and we have to be much more responsive to their responses and it's give them more time yeah um especially if we are going to interact with them more but how so, that's going to go yeah. on the night we've but, looked at each other a couple same, of times and gone, i don't know what and, we're doing and but. Like, we're, we're not really into dogging that's not our thing we're, we're much more about connection and and play and engagement mm. and yet we're inviting 10 strangers we've never met before and going ah fuck it you know which is which is something we wouldn't generally normally do but at the same time like i said to you before like when you're in this space in this place when you're performing you you have the microphone Mm. and they have to listen and if that's the case then i want to make it a we want to make it a gift we Mm. you know it's a gifting Mm. it's a shared experience it's an enlightening and it's a a place where they can compersive yeah where they can maybe compersion 
Well, guys, it's been an absolute delight. And if you're out there listening and you are in Australia or heading down to Australia, the next three shows are coming up in Adelaide in April. So April 17th, 18th and 19th. If you are interested in heading along to watch Compersion, the play by Steamy Romantics, head to the show notes and the website details are going to be there where you can check out what they're doing, the tickets. And if you're a venue, maybe if you want to book them for something, you can also do that on their website. But Mick and Nick, great to have you guys on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about Compersion the Play. Thank you for talking about sexuality in Australia and everything that you're doing down there. It's really been fantastic. Thank, Thank you, you so it's much. It's been an absolute pleasure you. to chat with you. Totally. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I hope that you got something out of that from the crew at Steamy Romantics. Until next time, we'll catch you soon. 